of a mea culpa, I admit I made an initial mistake with the rollout of the Patreon account. I did not fully understand it, and I'm still learning how it all works, but I have updated it with lower prices. So I apologize if this turned any of you away from supporting this podcast, and I please ask that you might give it another chance. I want you to be more actively involved in this podcast. You can do it by supporting us through this network on Patreon, and it gives you the opportunity to help choose our future upcoming guests, choose what city I will go visit, and also even ask questions that you want me to ask on your behalf to future guests. You can find it at patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash the wise fool, all one word. If you like what you hear, I would appreciate a five-star rating, and please tell your friends to listen and subscribe to the podcast. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. On a side note, through my conversations with my various guests, I've realized that one of my greatest weaknesses is my self-promotion and my business practices when it comes to my own personal artwork and partly now to the podcast. So I have put my artwork on sale on sachiart.com. And so if you are interested in my own personal artwork and potentially purchasing any, you can find it at sachiart, which is S-A-A-T-C-H-I-A-R-T.com slash Matthew Doles, all one word. Please pronounce your name correctly for me. Maja. Okay, Maja. Very good already, Maja. 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 Okay, I'm mm-hmm. close. I'm horrible with languages, so I apologize with that. No, no, nobody can pronounce my name in Austria. They call me Maia, Maya, Ma. Yeah, because the J is often pronounced as a Y. Yeah. Kind of it's very confusing. Yeah, yeah. All right, and so you are from? From China, from I was living before in Beijing. I was born in northeast of China, which is called Changchun. Okay. Nearby Russia and uh, North Korea and Mongolia. In between this. Okay. Yeah. And then you went to Beijing for schooling. Actually, first I went to another city in southeast called it's called uh, Hangzhou. It's nearby Shanghai. All right. So therefore, at school studying. I am. So geographically stupid. I don't know. I'm just going to sit here and nod and I'm going to believe that you're, you're telling me facts that are true. <laughs> I have no idea whether you're right or not. So yes. Okay. Yeah. I was in the art school, uh, like a high school, art high school mm-hmm. from, and this is uh, um, 2000 kilometer from my hometown. Wow. Okay. That's kind of far. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it, it was really far for that time. The train was more than 40 hours. And no direct train from my hometown to that time. It was 1997. You didn't do a daily commute of 2,000 kilometers, though. This was like a you you visited home. Yeah, yeah, but I was, yeah. Now you're in Vienna uh, with your husband, who you met in Beijing. Yeah. Yes. And so what, so when you came to Vienna, you decided to, you, so you, you were studying art already. So like how serious was it? And then sort of 
what were you doing bef- with your arts before you came here and how has it changed since mm-hmm. you got here? I came here in 2011 and I finished my uh, studying in Beijing in the F- Central Fine Art Academy in uh, at 2005 and I started painting before. So after I studying, uh, finished my study, I had um, my my own studio, and I was also teaching um, uh, painting, like an art teacher in Beijing. So somehow I was settled up. I was very satisfied with my life in okay, China. Sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like I had a nice studio, a good work, like really follows that my um, fulfills my artistic longing. Let's say like this, yeah. And uh, the interesting things is, in Beijing, I had a really um, um, many interesting artist friends that I was really fascinated with, and uh, also that was ten years before from now. If I think about it, um, Beijing has another um, art scene, also a bit different from today. Mm-hmm. So. What to give you a general um, idea to imagine? My uh, studio was in a, some sort of the, the my studio in Beijing was in a, a studio camp camp like like let's say actually it was the border of the city. It was storage uh, for whatever things, and um, it used to be a thousand square meter like empty hole and an artist came there found the price super super cheap and they built a wall and they divide a new window and build a very beautiful like six meter high with ceiling window industrial house and then then this was like a, a mushroom from one point start to grow. And uh, where I had the studio, this location, finally, the city government demolished it at 2016. There was around 500 artist studio, and each studio, the size is from 100 square meter to 1,000 square meters. Sounds fabulous. It's crazy, and it's really good, uh, interesting, because you go in first this area, you see a house, it's like an industrial house, but inside it's only artists. Most of the artists are also living there, so living and working at the same same spot. And I had a really nice uh, memory. At uh, 2 o'clock in the middle of night, some artist friends might come with wine and not knock my door because they see I'm working. So if they either has music or lights on, we would sit together and drink and talk about art. Yeah. Oh, that's like grad school for me. I yeah. love that stuff. And that was really nice. And uh, and also the the artist content is the the art academy produce a new blood every each year, 
and also Beijing is a, a, a attractive a, attractive spots for the whole China Art Academy. So the whole Chinese, like from different provinces, you know, China is so huge. It is. But after the uh, the the studying, the student which is ambitious to build up their career. They come to Beijing like they go to Berlin. So the Austrians also go to Berlin to want to have a wish for their art. So they build up some really interesting art scene. And also some part of the um, people have been going abroad to studying or to survive some artists in the after 2000, the Chinese uh, art market starts to pump exploded in a very, very vivid, very, very great, very activity at the Mesophere. At this time, they're also coming back mm-hmm. because they felt like here I have more chances and also there are much more possibilities to have things. So at that time, I don't know if you heard in Beijing, 798, it's a, a art gallery zoom it's like a really uh, like it's also like a small district itself okay small block it was also 798 actually was a industrial uh, industry um, from army the the old time the how to describe this the the the, in the former time, the Chinese uh, industrial often belongs to the army. So they named this factory with 798. This is the number from the army. So you can see the factory is called 798. So there were 797 other factories. That doesn't mean that you can, there is one, one, one for three army it's their army number so this is only yeah, a for, designation given yeah, by, yeah yeah for people it's a clear sign this is a from the state-owned army so this is the yeah and this empty industry was slowly fulfilled with first artist and then it's pumping up then gallery moved in it divide, developed finally like a, um, the a gallery Spots, right? Like a yeah, you, really commercial. It, it, it's generally sort of gentrification is what we refer to it as, where it's yeah. like beautiful industrial area. Artists move in, then the Bohemians move in, then the galleries move in, then often they're like the homosexual community will move in, and like and suddenly it's actually the value, the price of the place goes mm-hmm. so high that then artists can't afford to be there, so then they have to move somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. But actually, uh, maybe by my describing, there's some confusing thing. Actually, seven, eight. Nine, the factory, uh, like three kilometers away from where I ha- talk about where my studio used to be. And this is a artist's room. So they are not far from each other. Yeah. It's like uh, um, we can easily reaching, a, you can buy bike to come to the gallery, to the exhibition, to the area, and um, to meet the, having a social meeting and the, in this spots but what i'm uh, all talking about is like uh, uh, 10 years before after 2016 they demolished this place uh, i think they took the huge area to commercial use and now the artists moved 
um, I think 20 to 30 kilometers more outside from the spot where they used to be before. And it's even further out than the airport. That's what I, my friend now, it's, it's a different situation. It's a hard, yeah, it's a government, some sort of, I think a really squeezed uh, artist and culture and this is, and sadly, that happens in many large cities. Like the the artists are the ones that get pushed out because development comes in, funding comes in, government makes decisions saying we're redeveloping this neighborhood, whatever. And artists are the ones that always seem to suffer and get pushed away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sort of a, a normal thing. It's uh, also true. But in Austria, I had the a different um, experience like before we uh, have to move out the studio before that studio was support from the culture minister really yeah yeah it's like a some sort of competition as well so it's actually my husband got it but I, we were using together and he applied i don't know maybe there are 60 90 artists to apply finally they chose 10 15 20 but still the artist really pays the basic cost of the... So you don't need to rent. Uh-huh. You pay basic cost. You pay electricity, heating, water, yeah, that kind of very, stuff. Yeah, very, very... I would gladly do that. Please yeah. find me one of these, these <laughs> yeah. government supports. I want these. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so this is interesting. So you're an, well, technically like sort of an expat now living in Vienna, but and you're finding the ability to utilize some of the governmental supports for arts uh, for you. No, no, that's, that was coming from my husband. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, it's no, I think Austrian is also like a quite strict with uh, um, now, actually I could apply for some funding, but they are often right, uh, you have to live in Austria f- more than five years yeah something yeah. yeah i have the same thing in the czech republic mm-hmm. five years as well mm-hmm. to get any sort of like quote-unquote permanent residence kind of a thing yeah yeah you're now here and so now you are you from what i saw on your website you do both sculpture and some painting and things like, so what 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 would you define yourself as as far as an artist right now mm. So I use the media, which is painting and sculpture. And as a sculptor, I'm actually very fresh because I started to really get in touch with sculpture. I used this media three years before I started to do. Uh, But it also have to do, uh, actually, when I applied for the academy, I was taking in um, as a sculpture uh, student. So I was in the... No, I am in the sculpture department studying, and uh, I think I'm very stubborn. I was five years being in the sculpture department doing no sculpture at all. I keep on painting on my work and uh, ignored for the um, workshop and everything. And then the, there was a chance was uh, one, um, it's in South Tyrol, there was a Academy Benali, there was a, a exhibition so uh, they organized this the academy Benali. They chose uh, from art academy one each academy, not each. They pick up some academy over Europe or some like outside of Europe. One academy, one professor, one two 
three students the professor take to the exhibition. So my professor took me to take this uh, Academy Benali. So I did a, a really big installation. It's like uh, 49 meter. Uh, <laughs> um, That's really big. Yeah, PVC soft thing. But I have to use some metal constructing. Uh, so I have to produce that by myself. Then some sort of I was forcing myself going to the metal workshop to produce the element which I I need. But um, normally the rule of the academy, you're not allowed to work in the academy if you don't take the uh, the course. So. Basically, I didn't take the course. Then in one week, I have to produce something. So I get the support from the teacher. But I was in the beginning, I was like, wow, this is really new. But during this one week producing the workshop, I felt in love with the, the material. So afterwards, I took the lecture and I started to learn cutting, welding, sawing. And uh, this is how um, yeah, I... How did I start it to, to, to do? So basically, I see myself as um, an artist, a quite, I, I have something in my mind that I want to describe out. If, if there is next to my hand has the media already, I'm not a person to uh, maybe go next, next, next to grab another media to, to, to work. I, I, I just like the, to make it, um, if it's enough, then I just take it. So, with whatever media is available to you. Yeah, something. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Now you, if I if I'm remembering correctly, which I may not remember correctly, so please correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah. You you work what I would call as sort of very conceptually, more than sort of like. You don't you don't paint like landscapes. You don't do figurative, whatever. It's it's conceptual. Um, I studied figurative painting in okay. China for eight years. So four years art school, four years art academy, and I'm really um, I can paint really poetry and I can paint landscape and I used to do this a lot that I got being trained because uh, uh, the time where I, I was studying in China this art academy is coming the copy version of uh, Russia so they in the beginning they built up the art academy in China they took the form of Russian art academy sure, so the, the very, very traditional like, like you learn the, the strong traditions of techniques and craftsmanship and things like this and then you get to be creative after you leave school yeah exactly yeah, yeah. i love that way <laughs> i'm i don't know that i i can't say i love it because i felt like it's also not true but after i started f- finishing my study in in beijing i was feeling my brain was empty so I didn't have any idea of contemporary art, of what is the like uh, art, because the the art history in my studying time, uh, it stopped at the uh, uh, um, 
1890. Oh yeah, that's so hot, yeah, no. that's uh, like that's like a what? Okay, that's a bit too traditional of a yeah, learning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's taken a bit to an extreme, I think. China yeah. changed, so now I think they talk about much more than they give students much more uh, information. That time, I think it was no teacher can teach that in in. Yeah, that's that's very funny. And so now, what are you was producing? So that's how you were taught. But now that you're here in Vienna, are you still working figuratively and all? What so what's refresh my memory? And of course, the people who are listening to the podcast. So like your work now, what's the motivation? What's your intention with your I think, current work? Uh, I I after I studying in Beijing, so. I, I did my further learning a lot in the campus, in the artist campus, to say. So I, I had a many, many artist friends. They were uh, experiencing of 1980s, what happened in China. And, uh, you know, 1980, uh, after Cultural Revolution. Let's assume I don't know. I, okay. Yeah. So... So, like a nineteen. Do you know the nineteen eighty nine? Even if I do know, it's the American news version of it. So I'd much rather hear your version of it. Uh, so that's actually basic. What I got the uh, I learned from the artist from around me is about about basic about my own uh, uh, country history, which I was as a kid being taught totally another story sure so the party line the, yeah the party line and although my parents both of them used to be the party member uh, with their whole life their they work they um my father is a civil service so whole lifeline he worked for the party although he also don't believe on it at all, but for making living and life to settle the family that he worked for the job really properly. But then there some of my friends has been experiencing of 2089. They were shooting in the Tiananmen Square. They used to be uh, a part of this uh, history moment. And then I was getting information actually from mouth to ear. So that's a really uh, very, very strong shock. And those artists, uh, they were experiencing like after that, uh, they have to escape from the country and living abroad. And after years, they are having a really struggle life in foreign country. They come back to country and to do to do art again. And this is very interesting for me to actually to see, to change my overview of my motivation of why I'm doing art. That's actually coming from also a lot of the part from there because like why the society is like this and the why they teach the uh, the the people like this and the why the the people are accepting everything so what what is the reason so what's i think that's my motivation for that and that, that's the interesting thing is i i see in europe people are chewing their history are like a like a self um how to say that like a 
um, like watching, checking what had been happened to us before. But in China, this part is forbidden. So the, the artists are secretly, there are a bunch of people also doing this, but they are, they can, they don't think about to, to like make your career with it. But if you are moral, you want to do this. But first thing also keep yourself safe. You know, my studio is not far from my baby studio. Normally, if I drive to my studio back, I pass by from his studio. It's a camera, camera. <laughs> yeah, it's really, um, yeah. I, I was once in his studio with one of my friends, and uh, he has a very nice workshop and uh, very, very beautiful. This is your husband? No, oh. no, 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 no. The... Um, do you know Chinese artist Ai Weiwei? Of course. Yeah. So, yeah, I was with one of my Chinese friends. They're looking for a job, actually, in his studio. So I was just uh, like curious what the artist doing and sure. curious about the workshop. So I was there once. Uh, but he has really, uh, the government built up uh, at the door left and right. I think more than two cameras in front of it. I'm sure there is far more than two cameras. You just saw two cameras. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there was recording devices, electronic surveillance, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, this I can't tell because I didn't see, but there are always um, a small car inside. There's two, maybe it's a police or maybe it's a, some sort of thing, some watching, so watching him. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. like, I mean, I, I find this kind of stuff very interesting because, like, I come from, I grew up in Washington, D.C., and, and we didn't have any great upheavals. We didn't have any great cultural issues. I mean, we do now, but I don't live there anymore. But the, I grew up in a reasonably stable lifetime. You know, mm -hmm. like, I, I wasn't around during World War II or any of these big things that dramatically shifted cultures. So, like, I've got nothing to sort of hide from or, or or rage against or anything like that so it's it's always fascinating to me to hear uh, sort of other cultures and some of the issues about like sort of like identities and and having to hide from government things or work work within these governmental sort of uh, constraints kind of things that i've never had to experience except when i was in the middle east i lived in the middle east for a while mm -hmm. and uh you really have to work within their limitations for sure because mm -hmm. uh, they uh, i was in the united arab emirates and they rule everything so like if they don't allow you to do something you're not allowed to do it period there's no questioning it like it's uh, it was the first time i'd lived somewhere where basically i was told what i could and could not do mm -hmm. it was, and i left as quickly as i could <laughs> okay because <laughs> i was just like no thank you mm -hmm. uh, it was a job so mm -hmm. I could leave. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons why I made the podcast was mm -hmm. I was born and raised and taught and trained in the United States. And then I taught there and then I was in the Middle East and now I'm in Europe. And I realized when I got to Europe that Europe doesn't care about me <laughs> <laughs> at all. And, uh, and I have to literally start from scratch here. I have no community, I have no peers, I have no friends. I, I came to the Czech Republic knowing nobody. And um, in comparison to a lot of the artists that are in Europe, they were generally born and raised and trained and taught in Europe. And they have 
peers and connections and groups and tribes and communities. And I have none of that. I know nobody. So part of the thing that I'm trying to do with the podcast is sort of uh, build a little bit of a network for myself, like of people that I can meet in various different cities to try to find a community for myself here because it's really hard as a, as a 46 year old who's in a foreign country. I don't speak the language uh, fluently and it, it's hard to meet people uh, and find a community. So the podcast was sort of one of the, one of the hopes of the podcast was to try to f create or find a community for myself in the European community. It's very smart and it's very, um, I think it's a very, motivated uh and yeah really good well i was sitting around like because i've been here now for almost two years mm -hmm. in the in the eu and um i just i just kept getting more and more depressed mm -hmm. because like i'm not young enough and hip enough and i'm not a I'm, I'm no longer a young artist so i'm not enticing to galleries and curators because i'm not the new young artist and i'm not an old artist <laughs> yet and and so like I, I sort of fall into that world of like i'm not i'm not exciting to the the arts market and i'm not also to a certain extent I'm, I'm not exciting necessarily to other just artists because like i'm just i'm a I'm not a superstar, I'm not famous, and I'm also not a beginner, I'm sort of in the middle, and, I, and, I, and so that finding that right balance, because I find that like when I go to art events, again, like I, I can't uh, relate to the young artists, because they're still too young and still a bit naive and, and things like this, in my opinion. And, and I can't relate to the older artists because I'm not as sort of bitter and, and, and cranky as some of they are. And, and I sort of fit in the middle. And, and a lot of the people that are my age have kids and, and they, they sort of focus on their families and they live reasonably solitary lifestyles and they just come out when they have a, a, an event for themselves. So they're very hard to connect with and they're, they're very connected with the people they went to school with or people they've known since childhood. And I have none of those connections. So I'm sort of like, you know, like just wandering around by myself, trying to, trying to find some people to connect to. So instead of, being depressed and sitting around the apartment and moaning about not connecting with people. I'm being trying to be proactive and getting out and connecting with people. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> yeah. That's mm -hmm. it. There you go. That's a, that's my, my psychological reason for, for doing this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I really like it. Mm -hmm. Cause, uh, yeah, life's short. You got to get out and do things. You got to be proactive instead of just complacent about, you know, um, like my dad would always say, like, like, if you want something, you go do it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. instead of just sitting around and complaining that it's not happening. Yeah, that's, that's totally. Nobody's going to do it for you. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> yeah. got to do it myself. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm doing. Interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm trying to stave off my loneliness <laughs> yeah so yeah there you go but in the end i, I think um as an artist you also have this piece of loneliness in the mind um or inside of the heart 
I mean, Chinese says, so the Western says the brain, the, th the thinking, the thought, and we say the heart. So the, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't mind being lonely. Well, mm -hmm. there, like, there's a, in English, there's a subtle difference, like lonely versus alone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't mind being alone. Mm -hmm. That's fine. I'm mm -hmm. good with being alone. I can sit in my studio for, you know, 10, 12 hours alone. Mm -hmm. But being lonely is difficult. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, not feeling connected to a community or a whatever that, that is difficult for me. Mm -hmm. I think this, this is, this was my first uh, lesson after I studied from finishing my study from, from uh, Beijing, the art academy. So it took me some time to learn, to know being an artist. You have to be um, able to be alone to deal with yourself. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a really interesting experience for me that uh, having my first studio. And I was also like, um, I was just a small student and uh, doing my teaching job and uh, don't know about what is going on in the art scene in Beijing. So that's that's where I was like being alone and living there in the paint and uh, don't know what's going on and don't know what is going on outside. Don't know where should I go. Don't know which event. Or like a, yeah, what, yeah. What, what, what art opening is worth going to? Yeah. You know, should I invite certain curators over to meet me in my, mm -hmm. in my work or not? Like, but it's a very difficult, it's, I mean, it's a very difficult industry to be in because mm -hmm. it's, I look at my wife, my wife is in accounting and she works a job. Like, so she just applied for a job. She goes to her job nine to five, like, and, and the interpersonal relationships, it's office politics, mm -hmm. you know, and it's fine, but it, it, she'll leave that job. She'll go to another job and there'll just be little office politics. And maybe she makes a friend here and a friend there and that's fine. It's mm -hmm. great. But the arts industry is very much about these tribes or these communities that start to get built. Uh, and you need, you, to a certain extent, as much as you need that alone time and that alone, like, specifically like the alone time in the studio to produce, to have distance, to have separation, to be able to give energy to your work that's not uh, oppressed by your daily stresses in life is very important. But at a certain point, once you've created a thing, or even if you have a proposal for an idea, you do need other people to support you and assist with you and, and expand your connections. You know, so whether it's applying for grants or residencies or whether it's meeting with curators or getting exhibitions, like you actually have to have these other people in your life to help you. Too many artists, and, and I'm as guilty of this as any other young artist, that I believed that being an artist was a solo practice. I will be an artist, I'm by myself, and I will just put myself into the world and people will love me. Like, no. It doesn't work like that. You have to have strong relationships with other people. You have to have connections. You have to have peers and, you know, and, and people above you, better than you or more powerful than you, whatever. So curators, collectors, gallerists that, that somehow assist you in getting better. 
Yes. Am I wrong? No, 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 okay. no. I, I, I totally agree with you. Just uh, it's, uh, um, yeah, I think this is the part which is in the art education. Normally, nobody tell, talk about it. And no, nobody tells the students uh, or the kids, you want to come to the art scene. That's this right. is the very important part you have to know. They only talk about conceptual ideas of art or... Or the, craftsmanship. Yeah. Like, uh, this is mm-hmm. how you hold a paintbrush. Yeah. Like, that's lovely. And it's important. Mm-hmm. But the fact that, like... Well, I mean, in the most fundamental of things, like, the arts industry is still a business. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, like, one of my biggest pet peeves, my, my problems with my education, which, don't get me wrong, I loved my education. Mm-hmm. They taught me concepts they taught me theories they taught me material practices techniques all this lovely i love all of that education they never taught me how to be a business person but yet that's the most important thing mm-hmm. really in the mm-hmm. end mm-hmm. I, I walked out of school i didn't know how to do contracts i didn't know how to do tax laws i didn't know how to do shipping insurance like none of this stuff mm-hmm. nobody taught me any of that mm-hmm. and that's the stuff that well, that's the stuff that makes it so a lot of really talented artists end up having less success. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. they, they need that. Yeah. Actually, if you look at the art, uh, art scene, the one who is really standing on the, some sort of standing out, step out of the group, I, I think they, they really first, the quality of the art, it's it's there of course and then there's another part of this uh, social ability to support themselves so uh, i remember when i was in beijing was one of the um, older one was telling me look at this successful some sort of successful artists in the market they are all <laughs> the business people <laughs> so <laughs> which is also what i have seen there they are the good business people. Yeah, well, they're the Damien Hirst, the yeah. Jeff Koons, you know, the people yeah. that actually have a, a business mind or a financial mind and a creative mm-hmm. mind. Like if they, if they, those are those people, those those superstars that have yeah. that balance. But like, mm-hmm. I find that oftentimes, like me and, and and other people that I know and that I hang out with, very creative minds, very you know, insightful, great concepts, all this kind of stuff. But we have absolutely no idea how to do the business side yeah mm -hmm. like i'm the worst like actually i have a question for you so like do you write your own artist statements uh i'm in the artist artist statement so like uh like if you submit a well okay so if you submit a residency application or a grant application Mm -hmm. do you write all your own statements about your art and all this kind of stuff Mm, i don't do that you don't i don't at all Uh, i mean um i have maybe three sentences for myself (laughs) little haiku (laughs) yeah yeah i i'm I really don't like it and I would p- always prefer to give it to friend or some curator who is the profession that uh, um, dealing with the words, the language, the, the writing. That's my, um, I think. Well, and that's my question. Like, so, so you do use other writers to help you with like words to express what your artwork's yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, little side note. 
friend do you choose friends or do you like hire people do you pay them like how how do you get these writers to write stuff for you i haven't paid anyone okay so it's all uh trade <laughs> also not yet uh, so uh it, it's people which i know yeah. and i would ask and they never ever have been really a, a super long something only a few sentences right. so and have um, you so have you applied for any grants and have you gotten any residencies or even just applied for any residencies residency i never applied mm. and uh, i think grants also i applied and i never got anything <laughs> yeah i never had it anything well, see, thing is, i have a problem with the granting system because mm. when you apply to a grant or a mm. residency you you either get one of two answers yes or no mm-hmm Neither of those two answers help you to do it better. Like, so you get no feedback. You mm -hmm. get no, the reason why we said no to you was because X, Y, Z reason. Next time you apply, try to do this, you know? So like you can continually, like we can sit, we can sit in our studios and like write up these eloquent things that sound fabulous to us and are very convincing and our friends and family can read them. But then like you submit them and you don't get it and you don't know what you did wrong. So you don't know how to get better. Yeah, actually, um, I never thought I did wrong. I think they just don't take me. Then it's not, I, I never take it like a personal, I did wrong. I oh, wow, I, I take everything personally. Really, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think I didn't do anything wrong, but they didn't choose me because the word is big. They choose the other one. So um yeah, so residency I never applied because the kids um small, so I I cannot leave the family too long. That's one of the reasons. Yeah, but yeah, maybe I'm a bad person to talk about because since okay. I never had any grant. Uh, no problem. Next mm -hmm. topic. Do you <laughs> do you have any? Uh, do you have gallery representation? Uh, gallery representation. I had it. When I was in China, uh -huh. but not in Europe. Oh, no, which I'm not sure. No, I had once in Vienna a group exhibition in the gallery. Um, yeah, but I don't have a gallery, which is like every artist are looking for to having a gallery, yeah. let the business run and so on. Yeah, yeah, somebody can handle the business affairs off too, so you can just sit in the studio yeah, and make stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I take it like this... Um, it's like if I have a relationship, uh, I'm happy with it. But in a way, I'm also bonded, have a responsibility uh, in the relationship. So um, at the moment, I enjoy, I have no relationship. So I'm, I feel like I'm a person that has no um, boyfriend to bend me. I'm a free Um but I'm in, I want to my work can develop. So yeah, that's actually my, I'm also open. So I'm not closing myself up. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And a little side note too is as an expat. So like you moved from Beijing to Vienna. Mm -hmm. What were your experiences when you first sort of arrived in? It doesn't, it's not necessarily about Vienna, but like in a new country. Mm-hmm. Was it easy? Did you have some difficulties? What did, what kind of difficulties? You know, give me some stories on that. I think I'm not a typical artist moving from one place to another because what 
I was when I was moving, I was pregnant, so my first facing problem, uh, I can't say problem, face changing uh, was character changing from uh, a single woman to be a mother, like a like a like a from artist to being a mother, and these two things are very much. Uh, um, separating from each other and also time-wise I have to learn to know how much to time to give it to my kids family how much time to to give to my art so once I was in the opening I was uh, talking to a female artist a bit 10 years older than me and she said oh you have two small kids and uh, you are still doing art you must be a very strong woman and then suddenly I felt like this sentence gave me like a, a warm hug feeling that I suddenly felt finally some people understand me it's not easy to have two small kids and still want to do art when I was in China, I was watching my friends to how did they develop this. Like um, the difference is in China, you have your parents next to you, and normally they also have a nanny, so you can afford to have two women next to you and taking care of the baby. You can still con continue working the studio, going to the opening to socialize, and this is for me was not possible. So for two or three years, I was full time job being with my kids at home and then this was very uh, much for me like uh, to change the character so that's my uh, different thing from I think if I'm trying to imagine I'm not just an artist a painter move from Beijing to Vienna and just continue with my 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 work I think it's another situation but for me this is there is a the difficulty so yeah so but now Actually, I also take it really a uh, positive way that I could, like now my kid is in kindergarten school, I could work and uh, um, I have a discipline and uh, how to handle them. And yeah, I developed also they are not the uh, one who is drinking milk only and uh, <laughs> have to change diapers all the time. Right. Yeah. So reasonably independent at this yeah, point. Yeah, and also, yeah, I'm looking forward to have a big friend in the future and that really had a special relationship from anyone other in the world. So um, I'm, happy, I'm happy in the age, in the younger age to doing this. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And you have a new studio. You just moved into this space that we're recording in seven days ago, you said? Yeah, 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 totally. It's an interesting neighborhood. Yes, it's, uh, it's loud. <laughs> well, it's a little loud. That doesn't bother me. No, but I, I was very surprised to see, like you said, oh, your studio, and it's right next to the river. I would assume this would be a very expensive neighborhood, like because it's like this beautiful river view and all this. But, like, Actually, not. I think it's here, not here, because of the. Because of the sound, I think the the Donauknar, left to right, it's not the best place for people to to choose to live. Maybe one block more inside, more quiet. I was gonna say there's probably also not a lot of foot traffic necessarily for like retail shops and things like that either at this point. Yeah, but actually this is a very beautiful area. Here's the Donauknar. You just walked a few steps out. There's the Pata. You know the part of the huge, the the 
the huge uh, hunting formal hunting place for the empire. Oh, it's yeah. a really uh, um, a bush area, very beautiful. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm I'm really lucky to find here. Are you currently exhibiting? Yes, actually, uh, from the last two three years, it's getting. Um, I felt like I'm going back to work. So the exhibition this summer was yeah quite uh, something going on and. Uh, are you what's the what's a technique that you're finding to sort of find these? So like, are you like do open uh, answering like online calls for artists? Are you meeting with curators? Are you working with gallerists? Like, how, what's your way of basically getting from I've created a piece of art to having it exhibited? I think this I had experienced before already when I was in China. That uh, I think to be. Uh, to be more socialized, to appear, be there, be the present, go to the opening, talk to people. And uh, um, for me, the chance was coming automatically because I, at the same time, I do produce, I do work hard, and then I get the chance. And uh, being here in the beginning, as I told you, as a mother, I didn't be able to do this. So um, I think last two, three years, I'm going back, trying to be um, present. Yeah, and then I get the chance to to show, or, or I think the chance would come to me. There are people ask, oh, hey, there is exhibition, maybe you want to take part. And when you are in one show, the next one would also come, like... Yeah, this is yeah, it's a snowball effect. So yeah. like you get one opportunity, it leads to another opportunity, so on yeah. and so on. And I also did in some um, academy exhibition, so people also come to see, to take some young artists in from there. Um, yeah, so this is also... Mm -hmm. Also the professor helped me, like uh, giving me chance sometimes. This is yeah. something that I found very common here, that a lot of the European uh, sort of uh, lineage, like so your professor often will then like open some doors for you to get to some opportunities. Actually, in China, I had this as well. Okay, I didn't in the United States. Maybe my professors just didn't like me, I don't know. But mm -hmm. it, it seems like it's much more common here, this this sort of almost a, a master-apprentice mm -hmm. kind of relationship. And then they like you become their protege, and then they, you know, they help to sort of launch your career kind of thing. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say common as well. I, I think it's... Um not all the professor be able to do that as well. So some of the professor maybe also themselves, they need uh, um, possibility chances. But uh, I think the lucky one where I'm, I'm studying with, and the, this professor is really, I think he's uh, very motivated. And I felt like he's also very proud of his students doing that because sometimes you can also possibly meeting a professor that doesn't or jealous the student doing too good sure. it also happens yeah 
Oh, yeah. I could picture that easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, I mean, maybe the professor, while they may be a great professor and great at teaching, they might not have a great professional connections themselves. So they simply can't help you kind mm-hmm. of thing also. Like, that's possible. Yeah. Actually, this is very interesting because... Um, when I finished my studying in Beijing, I was to becoming an art teacher automatically. So teaching art, like uh, uh, for artists, it's some sort of uh, uh, easiest job and the most time-wise be able to handle. So therefore, I think the being an art teacher, art professor, like a teaching art, and then, then at the same time doing art, and if you also look at the art history that many great artists are doing, in a way, they are um, further grow or the progressing. Pro- progress, mm-hmm. progress their art heritage or art, art spirits. Because your life is short and you die, you, you leave all this to your students. And, and this is, I think, in a way, it's growing, so it's something like... Oh, I love teaching, and I love the, the output. I love the result of somebody else sort of taking everything that I have from what I've learned in my experience, and then they add to it, they grow from it, they progress from it, but you can still somewhat sort of see the influence of me mm-hmm. and my predecessors in them, mm-hmm. theoretically. Some people don't follow it, but some people do. Do have you had good success with selling artwork in Europe? Yeah, this year I suddenly um, this year after eight years I'm here. I think I I sold my work, which is um, feels like aha uh-huh, interesting. So actually, wait along that line, social media. So Instagram, Uh, Facebook, these kinds mm -hmm. of things. I mean, you have a nice website, but do you use other social medias? Actually, I try to avoid. I'm a really... uh, (laughs) I I made a count in Instagram. I have to say I never look at it. Um, Maybe once a while, just in the first line. Then I have a click, and then I wouldn't scroll further. Um, And Facebook... I do use because some friends posting things which I need to know. Um, I'm so uh, old school. I kept email. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not, not really following or trying to following things. It's yeah. fine. It's yeah. just a question. It's no judgment. Mm-hmm. I personally wish that we didn't have to spend because my concern, my personal concern about social media and all these things is that it's a huge amount of time and energy and, and thought that we have to put into doing this thing, mm-hmm. which I have not heard of a huge amount of sort of return on investment, we'll call it. You know, mm-hmm. like you, 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 you stress, you put in the time, you construct the images, you make the hashtags, you write the stories, whatever. And you, you don't necessarily get a lot of exhibition opportunities or a lot of sales from the amount of work you put into it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's for me, it's always the question of basically like how much time and effort should we be putting into basically our public relations, mm-hmm. social media versus how much time we should be putting into being in our studio. I try to um, uh, minimalize it. 
I tried my best. To... I admire you for that. It's <laughs> great. I wish I could do that. Unfortunately, I run a podcast. I sort of have to do. This yeah, thing. but I think you are different because you are doing this like a a part of your job, the, a part of your art. Yeah, I think I I can't. Yeah, you know, just uh, I I think I can't do it. I admire people can. There is no need to do it. We are not mm -hmm. trying to pressure you. <laughs> It's fine. Yeah. All right. Last couple of little questions I generally ask most people. Uh, any sort of great advice you have for aspiring artists that uh, from ex potentially experiences that you could say, I tried this. It was horrible. It was bad for me. Like or something that like I did this and it actually worked out really well for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's really hard to uh, give a source to. Other ones, it's uh, yeah. I think if you want to have a happy life, maybe don't do art. <laughs> I think yeah. In general, you want to be a happy person in life. Choose some other thing to do. That's a that's some great advice. Yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. I love it. All right, the the last question that I generally ask everybody which is an antithesis to what you just said. But for the podcast, I created this whole quantifiable outcome that I'm trying to achieve. It's just a, it's an example of, a, of an idea of a successful marker in your career, let's say. So I'm going to try through this podcast and through everything that I learn from all the people that I talk to, to try to successfully understand how the art world works in order to get a piece of my artwork on exhibition in the Museum of Modern Art in New York City. And so I ask people for advice. What should I do to try to put my career on the right path to achieve that goal? If I understood totally, so how people should do to reach the points There, uh, they, um, they, they, uh, imagine an institution, a very highly reputable institution, mm -hmm. and you want to have a piece of your artwork exhibited in it. Mm -hmm. What is something to do to put your career going in the right direction to achieve the goal of a piece in an institution? Uh -huh. So it could be Tate Modern. Okay. It could be any other okay. great okay. thing. I chose Museum okay. of Modern Art in New York. Okay. I think it's uh, by the destiny and you cannot do anything for it i i think uh, as an artist you can control what is controls in your hand and what you produce but for the things i i don't think you can do anything for that okay yeah yeah sometimes things are left up to fate <laughs> yeah all right well thank you very much for your time yeah welcome <laughs>